0: His mercy is for those who fear him. Or or, uh, mercy is an exchange of, of, uh, instead of punishment, you receive a blessing. And and Mary's saying, well, God, you're so good and you've done this great thing for me. But then the majority of the rest of the song is is now her her just celebrating, but you're going to do this for everybody. You're listening to audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit centurybaptist.org or download the Century Baptist Church app. We are in a a sermon series that we're calling uh, during the month of December, Christmas in Stereo, surrounded by the songs of Christmas. The idea is, we all know this, right? We've been singing Christmas songs this morning. You've got Christmas carols playing at home. Uh, We surround ourselves because it sets the tone for, for just the season and all that's taking place. But the idea for us is to take a look at the book of Luke, the songs that we, that we hear people singing uh, in the nativity story, and that we surround ourselves with it, that it actually changes us, it impacts us, and we go out and we live it out so that we can tell the world the good news of Jesus. Today we're going to take a look at Mary's song, The Magnificat. It's found in, in Luke chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 46. Um, I, I say this all the time. People know this about me. I love music. I love songs. I love to look into the heart of songs. I love. I just find myself constantly singing these choruses of songs. I don't even sometimes even know what they're about. They're just catchy. They stick in my head and, uh, and, and out they come. But, but the best songs, my favorite songs are the ones that have a story behind them. In 1965, Paul McCartney, as uh, one of the Beatles, Uh, obviously they had uh, just so many hits, Um, woke up in the middle of the night and uh, he had this tune that was just in his brain. Ba-da, 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 and he he just couldn't get out, he couldn't fall back asleep, so he got up, and he, he sat at the piano, and he pulled out his guitar, and he started kind of plunking away at this, he said, I want to I remember this, and so he went back to bed, woke up the next morning, went, and he met with the band, and he was like, okay guys, he goes, this, it, it, because it's just really basic chords, he said, Whose song is this? And he played it for them. He's plucking away on the guitar. And they're like, we've never heard it before in our lives. He's like, no, 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 it's too good that somebody wouldn't have already written this song. I know it. It's in my brain. What is it? And they're going, Paul, it's we've never heard it before. And so uh, for months, this was going. And he actually, Paul McCarty actually went to record studios and other music producers, other artists, and he's plucking this thing out on the guitar. And, and they're like, yeah, we've never heard it before. And he said, so what I did, he said, I kind of felt like somebody who'd found money on the street. I kind of turned it into a bunch of people. And if in about five weeks, nobody has claimed it as their own, then I can claim it as mine. And as he's playing it in the studio with his friends, they, they were getting so sick of it. They actually uh, were yelling at him about it because there's no words. He didn't have any words for it. He's like, I don't know what it is. Bump-a-da. And so they just called it scrambled eggs. Because uh, so that's the, the best they come up with scrambled eggs. And then he didn't have any other lyrics. What happened is that he was on vacation with his wife. They were traveling, and they, somebody was driving them, and there was a guitar there in the vehicle. And so he pulled it out, and he said, i got to figure this out. And while they were driving, he just came up with the words to the song. Uh, and he said, it's a song about a, a young man who is in a relationship. The relationship ended, and he's regretting uh, like how it had just gone wrong. And He just wishes, I just wish it could be like back then yesterday all my troubles were so far away and he said it doesn't it's not a story of my life he said it's just it's just that there's a lot of words that really rhyme with yesterday and he said it just works throughout the rest of uh, of the song well the crazy thing about yesterday is that i mean it's got that kind of that fun that really cool story behind it but it but it went on to to sit on the charts for 11 weeks in a row and actually hold some guinness world records It's the the song that's been the most re-recorded by artists, over 3,000 times uh, that song has been re-recorded. And they say that today, anywhere in the world, at any given time, if you turn on a radio, somewhere in the world, Yesterday is playing. It's it's that well known. And yet, not everybody knows the story behind it. And that's really just told to kind of set the stage for what we're going to look at today in Mary's song. A lot of people... We know Mary's song, my soul magnifies the Lord, but do we know really fully kind of what is behind it so that, so that we can fill our lives up with it, that we could go out and we could proclaim the same things. Songs, the best songs, are just built different. So we're going to look at a little bit about how Mary's song today is built. Would you stand with me as I just want to read for you, Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 46, He has shown strength with His arm and scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He sent away empty. He's helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Father, this is Your Word. It is true. It is alive. Uh, it, it is uh, food for the hungry, so we receive it today. We pray that, that right now, Father, that your spirit would just work in the words that I say, in the words that we hear, that you would build us together as a community of believers who desire so deeply uh, to be followers of you and to tell this world about you. So today, may it just be your word that speaks. We love you, Father. We praise you. It is a joy and an honor to get to be together today. In your presence, praising you. Amen. You can have a seat. So let's just start uh, with taking a look at the structure of this song. And I just pulled out some different um, musical terms that kind of piece together. I'm not uh, much of a, I'm a hack, total hack of a musician. I can't read a a word, any note whatsoever. Um, But here's what I do know. Uh, The chorus is the heart of a song. And I think that Mary kicks off with the most memorable part of this magnificent chorus. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Let me just pause right, right here. We'll do a little backstory, But I want to start by just asking the question of you. What, is, what, what might be your unknown today? What's that thing? Uh, that, that you're just waiting on God for, uh, that you know that only, he can, that only He can do to try to give you answers, to try to clear a path for you. You need uh, something taken care of. If you, Maybe you're a, you're a student and you're wondering, I don't know about my future, where am I going to go to school or, or what I'm going to do for a career afterwards and I'm lost and I have no clue. God, I just need God to, to show me what He wants for me. Maybe you're sitting there under a pile of bills at home going, I have no idea how we got into this and how we're going to get out of it. I just need God to do a great work. Maybe you've got a, a health diagnosis that's totally unknown, something that you're struggling with. Maybe you got bad news. Maybe a, a job that you're at that you just want out of or you're looking for one so desperately and you're just waiting on God to do something and, and it's just all unknown. Mary, uh, I, I would think her, her mindset, if it was like mine, would be, what in the world is the future going to look like for me? See, the angel earlier on in chapter 1, the angel Gabriel shows up to Mary and, and says, greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And you're going to be with child. You're going to give birth to the Savior of the world, the Son of God, the one that's going to redeem all of mankind. And Mary, Mary's confused. She she doesn't fully understand it. As we talked about last week, when the angel visited Zechariah, uh, it had been 400 plus years since God had spoken to anybody. That's at least recorded in Scripture. No prophets, no judges, God himself, no angels are recorded. 400 years of silence. And, And God sends his angel to this young, probably, who knows, 14, 15, 16 year old girl. In the middle of nowhere, Nazareth, a town that, that nobody even bothered to really even care much about, to tell her that she's going to bring the Savior of the world into existence by God's power. And talk about the unknown. We, we talk about it all the time. Every time that we talk about Mary and, and this situation, we think about the mindset of a teenage girl and getting this news, and there's no way anybody's going to believe me. There's no way that, that my parents are going to believe me. She's betrothed to Joseph, uh, meaning that they're, they're officially engaged. That, what it meant is that Joseph went back home, wherever his home was, and he's building an addition onto his father's house. And when the room is ready, he would come for his bride. And while he's away building the house, the bride is at home getting preparations made. could have been months, a year. They didn't know when the, when the groom was going to show up. But that was the situation, and she's probably thinking, what is, what's he going to say? We know, we read through the story that Joseph made a decision in his own mind. He was at peace with just breaking off the, the, the marriage. He said, I'm going to do it quietly and silently. Why? Because, because a young woman to, in those days to get pregnant outside of marriage had ruthless consequences. Being ostracized by people was, was, wasn't even the worst of it of what could happen according to law. And so he just said I'm going to I'm going to do it quietly. And we're just going to let it go. You would think that all of this would be going on in the in the mind of this teenage girl of all that's going to take place. But I love her perspective of what happens. All of this would make anybody's head spin. Just a visit from an angel enough would be, and that's all I would talk about for the rest of my life. Not, nothing else would matter. You'd never believe it, but an angel showed up. Not any angel, but a Gabriel. Gabriel was in my room, and he talked to me. She had a wedding that was coming up that she probably instantly knew wasn't going to happen. But then on top of it, this thought of, I'm, I'm going to be empowered To bring the Savior of the world, by God's power, into existence. Give birth to the Son of God. But here's the thing. All of that, all of that, I've heard it so many times. I've preached on it. I just talked about it. I've heard it by many times. None of that is recorded in Scripture. It's just speculation based on our own minds of how we would react if this was to take place. But we get Mary's reaction. Her first reaction is told to us because uh, the, the angel had told her, your cousin Elizabeth is also uh, having a baby. To which Mary was like, well, that's more incredible. She's old, right? And, and, and so she leaves after talking with the angel. She leaves and goes and meets with Elizabeth. And Elizabeth greets her. And, and the baby in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist, it leaps for joy in the presence of the mother of the Savior of the world. And and Elizabeth's response to Mary in chapter 1, verse 45 is, Blessed is she who believed there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. That was Mary's response. That, That was her magnificent response. It was, I believe you. And this is amazing. And God, you're magnificent. What an incredible thing that you're doing. Through me, I don't know how many of us would have that response. Here's what I can say: How many of us have that response when when God does do a work in our life that that we know it's God at work, but it's challenging, it's a struggle because we've talked about this all the time. For us, the best way for us to see and view and understand what God is doing in our life is through the things that that are not comfortable. So that we don't rely on our own power, but that we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes when that stuff starts to happen to us, our first reaction is, why me? You know, and God's like, well, because you prayed for it. Like you asked for it. You wanted me to use you and I'm trying to use you. Mary's response was from Elizabeth's words, how blessed are you that you believed this from the start and that you're ready to do this? She believed in the promise of God because of faith. She isn't fearful. She's not shame-filled. Her first words that she sings out, my soul magnifies the Lord. Means it it amplifies. It just my soul, my, my inner being exists to just make God's name great. So if this is what he needs to do, then I'll sing. Well, I'll, I, will, I will belt. It out and make great praise. And then she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, my soul and my spirit. What it means is is all of me, internal, external, heart, mind, my entire body is just one big song of praise to the Lord. From a teenage woman uh, about to step into some great unknowns. Responsible for giving birth to and raising the promised Messiah that would save the entire world from their sins. That's pressure. And her response is God, you're good. You are doing a great work and you deserve to be praised. My, my, everything I have is yours. Whatever it is that you want to do, my life will be a song of praise to my God. And she understands, if you read through the text, she understands who she's praising, my Savior, my Deliverer, the Holy One, the Great I Am. She says all of those things in this text. She has a full understanding of who God is. And says, my life will be a song to you. And this... That's the answer. That's how you live into your unknown. That's how you live into this. I don't know what you're doing, God, but I'll step into it. And it's because it starts with you understanding, me understanding, who God is and His identity. That He lives into who He is the God who is faithful, the God that is, the creator of the universe, the one who is sovereign and in control of all things. And when we can understand that, He's got this no matter what it is, no matter what it looks like for me. He's doing a great work when he calls us to follow him, to serve him, to do whatever it is that he calls us to do. We step right into it because we know that this is good because that's who God is. Hebrews 11 says faith is a confidence in what we hope for. It's the assurance of what we do not see. We follow God in obedience because we are absolutely sure in who He is. And we, we cement ourselves into His identity. It's preparation of our heart and our mind, our soul and our spirit that gets us ready for the great things that God wants to do to us when He makes that call. We prepare ourselves. Mary, we don't, we don't know much about her past. She obviously was a student of the Word gleaning this and gaining this, that, that when, when the call was put upon her life, she just said, absolutely, uh, uh, I'm in. Then what we have is we, we, we move into this strong transition. She's praising God for who He is, but now there's this part where, where she just proclaims who she is. And she, she understands God want, God's going to use her, but it's kind of this, I can't believe that, that He would choose to use me. In musical language, a transition is it's this moment of change, probably at the end of one song that leads into another song and it just kind of flows. You don't really know that there's a change, but there's this seamless transition that Mary does in verse 48 while still praising God for who He is, praising Him for what He's done, and she just talks a little bit about her own life. He's looked on the humble estate of His servant. The word servant there Original translation is slave maiden, kind of feels a lot deeper, doesn't it? But that's how she views herself before God. I have, I'm yours to be used. Whatever it is that that you want to do with me, God, I'm, uh, I'm yours, and you have, you've looked, uh, uh, the creator of the universe, the creator of all people, saw me, a, a humble, it, nobody, honestly. In the middle of nowhere. But I'm fully here for you to use. Martin Luther says that what Mary was really saying was, God, when you, when you should have chosen a princess, royalty, a queen, to bring royalty into this world, the Savior of mankind, you should have chosen someone valuable. But you chose me. A nobody, so that I could proclaim a somebody. But now she says, Behold, behold, her words. In other words, can you believe this? She's talking to guys, can you believe this? You chose to use me, and I'm a nobody, but now, from now on, everyone's going to rise up and call me blessed. The interesting thing about this is that it still shows her her humility. She's not saying, I can't believe that you're using me. People are going to know my name, right? The world that we live in today. That's everybody's goal. I just want to be known. And Mary says, no, no. People are going to rise up and call me blessed. And in the way that she's saying that, she's still proclaiming God is good, that people are going to look at me and people are going to see that you are a merciful God, that you do great things for those that consider themselves nobodies. That's really the statement that she's making. It's not about that they're going to rise up and, I'm, oh, I'm, gonna be, I'm just going to be known for being blessed. She's basically saying, I'm going to make it known that you are the God that blesses, that you do great things. And let's understand this, too, because there can be a lot of confusion as to why God chose Mary. And I'll just make this statement. There's nothing that Scripture gives us that tells us that she was perfect in any way. Mary was just as sinful as any one of us. She had a human nature. The reason that she was chosen is because God chose to use her. He he saw a young woman who was usable, that, that, that she would be willing, that she would accept this, And as Gabriel told her in verse 28, you are the favored one. In other words, God has made a decision to use you. He could have used anybody, but he he found you to be the one that he wants to use. You are favored because of who he is. To be favored means to be shown kindness or grace. That's why it says that Mary was confused. What kind of greeting is this? Greetings to you, O favored one. What do you mean? Uh, the one who's receiving God's kindness and, and grace. What does that mean for me? What am, I, what am I getting? Think of that. An angel shows up and says, look, you're gonna, today's the day. You're, God saw you and He's going to do something great. Finally, right? 21 window Volkswagen bus I've been praying about for all those years. Can't wait to go home and look. And you're going to have a baby. What? What? There's a Mary down the street, you know, do you want to, you are highly favored. God has chosen you out of everybody in this world to do something great because of who he is. He did the work through his grace. And that's what, that's what she proclaims. It was holy is his name out of everybody. He proclaimed that I would be the one. Ephesians 1.6, we find the same terminology as Paul says, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Which just so happens to be what Mary's name means. One who is loved. And she's living into that. God has done such great things for me and He's going to continue to. But it's God that does the work. Mary was the vessel that he used. The one who is mighty has done great things for me. If you actually look at the original translation, it says, The one who is mighty has done great things to me. She she accepts, she knows this. Like he's actually doing this to me so that I could proclaim him and who he is. She believes that the Messiah is going to come, that she is going to give birth to the Savior of the world. And she not only just accepted it, like, okay, I guess, she embraced it. We see that. My soul magnifies, Lord, because He has chosen to use me to do His work. James, in his book, uh, chapter 4, um, He's quoting Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James adds to this, but he says, so, so submit yourselves to God. So be humble, is what he says. Let God use you. Lower yourself. Not self-deprecating, but just, God, I'm not you. And I want you to work through me. I want to, I want to make your name great. So use me. I'll do whatever it is that that you want me to do. James says, so submit yourselves to God. That's that's Mary's spirit, her heart. She praises God for it. Humble yourself in God's eyes and He will lift you up. Because we know this. You read through Scripture. No attitude that we have fights against God and His plan more than pride. I I know that, that that we don't measure which sin is worse, but pride is at the root of all of it. I want this for myself. And pride fights against God because pride says, I don't need you. I'm more important than you. And God says, I won't share my glory with anybody else. So if you're prideful, I will push you down. And God's not going to use us if we let pride puff up. Because if pride gets in there and God's trying to use us and people see us, they go, wow, he's such a great, you know, and then fill in the blank, such a great pastor, whatever it is that you do, such a great coach, whatever it is that you do. And God says, man, I'm going to humble you if you don't understand that it's me doing a work through you and you can't proclaim that with the life that you live. So if you want to be used by God, we need to have just, we talked about this for so long in studying the life of Jesus. It starts with humility. We lay low and he elevates for his glory. And so again, Mary just praises Him for out of who He is. Holy is His name. Last week we talked about the meaning of names in ancient times. Zechariah and Elizabeth. Mary Mary says, your name is holy. Because you live into what your name is. Your actions line up with whatever your name is. And she says, your name is holy. You are holy. You are perfect. Which encompasses everything. Your ways how you work what you do in my life it's all perfect and so i'll accept it and i will i will let your actions be whatever it is that you desire them to be you have done great things for me and then the the, the second half of this text um kind of is it's it's still in the spirit of Mary, and what is she doing? But it seems like there's this there's this little bit of a shift in in music. It's called uh, syncopation, and I like I said, I don't read music. I don't know much about it. So I'm gonna have the worship team and Pastor Ethan come out, and, and he's gonna explain this a little bit to us. But let me just read for you uh, what it is that um, that I want us to understand. So Mary, first of all, praises God, and then she says, I can't believe they are using me again. God, you are so great. Holy is your name. Verse 50, your mercy is for those who fear you from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. he scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he's sent away empty. Again, it's that idea of of pride and humility. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Pastor Ethan, help me out. All right, so syncopation, syncopation is... Uh, when you emphasize uh, something, either a note on an instrument or a word, a phrase in your singing that is on the offbeat. So you expect things to happen on the beat, and most music happens on the beat. But when you want to emphasize something, you can put it on the offbeat and call it syncopation. We sang a song a little bit ago. It was manger throne. And the chorus is glory be to you alone, right? No, that's boring. That's straight. Glory be to you. Listen to what the what the writer did. Glory be to to you alone. You want to emphasize something. We're singing to you, Lord. And so you put it on the offbeat to give it extra emphasis. That's a, exactly how I would have explained it. <laughs> then why am I here? <laughs> uh. <clears throat> so I wanted him to share that just so that we would, we would just kind of grasp this concept of this song that, that Mary is singing. That, that all of a sudden, in, in the middle of all of it, there's this... There's kind of this unexpectedness that takes us, but yet at the same time stays true to the theme of the song that she's singing and proclaims this message to everyone. She says, His mercy is for those who fear Him. Or, or uh, mercy is an exchange of, of uh, instead of punishment, you receive a blessing. And and Mary, Mary's Simon, God, you're so good and you've done these, this great thing for me. But then, the majority of the rest of the song is is now her her just celebrating. But you're going to do this for everybody, and, and anybody who who I don't know where she is when she sings. Probably just in the in in the silence of her own home. I don't know. She probably never thought that it that the whole world was going to read this. It's one thing Mary did not know. Um, yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, and. and um but 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 when she sat down to write this she says god you're great you're doing a great thing for me and then and then she gets it she understands the savior coming and is that this is going to change the world See, your mercy is not just for me but it is for all of humanity for all who fear him for all of those who humble themselves with your with their lives because that's Again, pride pushes against the relationship with God and, and sin separates us from God. And so what we need to do, the first step is to eradicate that pride and say, God, I, I'm a sinner. I need your mercy because I know I deserve punishment. But what I understand from your, from your word is that you, you desire to bestow blessings. And so I want to be a new creation. I want you and Mary proclaims this. His mercy is for those who fear Him. And it never ends for generation to generation. It's ongoing. God just continues to do great things. And then she, she really just proclaims this, that it's a message to the world. And she says God sees the nobodies. He sees the invisible. He, he sees the marginalized. He understands the struggle that you're in. The world that we live in says the more you make something of yourself, the more you're going to receive. And Mary says, if you want God's mercy, just put yourself at his feet and let him work. Because that's how mercy works. That we just come before him and he says, I would love to show you who I am. She says, he fills the hungry with good things, the prideful, the rich. She says, he pushes away. What, that, what it's talking about, again, is that spirit, that, that pride that builds up. The hungry know that they, that they are only going to make it if they have him. But, but, but the prideful, those who have made a name for themselves, the rich, the wealthy, with that kind of a mindset is, I don't need God. But the hungry know that they need him and fully dependent upon him. And then she proclaims what the people of God have been anticipating for for generations. He's helped the servant Israel. That was the promise that they all lived into. One day they, they hung on to that hope. Rome had come in and there's oppression over the people and it's a struggle to even stay true to their faith. And, and there's all this, this Greek culture that's coming in and the worship of all these false gods. And... And following God was becoming more and more difficult every day. And they were hanging on this hope of one day the Savior that has been promised to us is going to come. And this is what she's proclaiming. It's here. He's here. You've remembered out of your mercy, she says, out of your desire to give blessing instead of punishment. You're fulfilling the promise that you made to Abraham and his offspring forever. Genesis chapter 12, just like Mary, God chooses, he just chooses a man. Abram was his name. We don't know anything about him when God comes and finds him other than because you get to Genesis 11 and you read about the story of Noah and the flood and then you get uh, the tower of Babel and then you just get uh, genealogy. From Noah down to this guy, Abram. And it says he was from Ur of the Chaldeans. That's that's all we know about his past. And what we know about Ur at the time is that all it was was a pagan society. So Abram didn't know anything about God when God called him. God just chose out of his grace and mercy to say, I'm going to use you to do something great. Exodus chapter 2, as the Hebrew people were in captivity... In Egypt, it says in chapter 224, God heard their groaning and He remembered His covenant that He made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This, this covenant that He made with Abraham to say, I am going to, to bless your lineage, the, uh, you, the generations that come after you. I'm going to save the world through you. God Almighty over and over again, one commentator said, restructures cosmic reality through the unmighty the god of the magnificent advocates for the small the insignificant and the needy and he used a young humble servant of his to usher in the savior of the world that he loves god sees you as as west chose for his text today god loved the world so much that he gave us his son why we celebrate Christmas. We're surrounded in the fact that God loves us and in His mercy, instead of punishment, blessing. And He gave us the greatest blessing of all. He sees you, sent His Son for you, fulfills His promise to you and wants to use you to reach the world. Your life is not scrambled eggs. right? It's not by chance. God's got a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. Will we live into it? and sing it loud. Let's pray. Father, this morning we love you. Uh, We just continue to proclaim that. Just the thought of that, Father, of how great you are and you seeing us is enough to just humble us because I know I I don't deserve it, but I am grateful. and I pray that, that for each and every one of us today, first of all, God, if there's anybody here who doesn't, they don't know you because that pride is just in the way. Would you just, would you crack that code, Father? Break it open and May their hearts just be open to what it is that you want to do. For everybody here struggling with the unknown, God, may we embrace it with joy and excitement because the God of the universe is choosing to do something with us. We might see it as negative. We might see it as positive. May we see it all as just opportunity to make your name great. We love you, and we pray, God, that you continue to give each and every one of us a great mindset Uh, throughout this Christmas season that we would be surrounded uh, by the song that you want us to know, that that you love us, that you sent your Son. Amen. Let's stand and close in worship.